Hello, Syngap land. My name is Michael Grawley. This is episode 87 of Syngap 10, your 10-minute weekly briefing on everything you need to know about Syngap 1. Today is Wednesday, January 4th. So after taking a month off, it's Wednesday, and I'm doing an episode that I normally do on Fridays. But let me tell you, there's been so much that's hit the wire in the past three days. I got to get this one out because I know what's coming at the end of the week. I'm going to talk about three things today. I'm going to talk about our numbers. I'm going to talk about some incredible press that's come out in the past three days. And I'm going to talk about a very special um, thing I did on New Year's and why it was amazing. Let me get through the numbers first. We put out at the end of last year and then again on December 31st or January 1st, whatever it was, um, SRF by the numbers. What did we do this year? Are we, are we making progress? Should, we, should you continue supporting us? What's going on? To date, we have committed $3.7 million to different um, companies and researchers to work on Syngap One. $3.7 million. That is real money. We're given to real people to do hard work. 25 different grants to 22 institutions. I am really proud of that number. We have over 70,000 followers on six different social media channels. Are you following us everywhere? I don't know. We've counted 1,164. That's the new census number. 1,164 patients in the Syngap census. And I will observe that that number is lower than I think it should be. I think what we're feeling right now is a lot of kids aren't getting diagnosed because the diagnoses that we get today are kids who were seeing doctors a year or more ago. And as we know, in the pandemic, that wasn't happening enough. We have over 200 patients enrolled in Citizen. Over 200. Maybe we're exactly 200. I don't know. It goes up all the time, so maybe we're over. Whatever. 200 patients in Citizen. That is the biggest rare disease cohort in Citizen in the world. It is important. Every U.S. patient should sign up for Citizen immediately. It is an incredible resource for our community. There's 171 Syngap Warrior profiles on our website. If you're not one of them, you should be. Please reach out to Deanna. Let's get those Syngap Warriors on there. I'll talk more about Deanna later. 129 blog posts, 86 episodes of this, now 87. 85 different languages available on our website. Our language, tra our website translates into multiple languages. Folks use it. We have 66 webinars on our website. How many have you seen? There's 22 different or umbrella organizations between the US and the UK that we send someone to go and meet with. 22 different organizations. I'm talking about Epilepsy Foundation and REN and ELC and, and Cambridge this and whatever. I mean, there's so many different organizations that we show up to to make sure they're thinking about Syngap and to make sure that Syngap community is not missing any opportunities. We have 20 different families who are serving or have served on our board. We are currently recruiting for 13 studies. There's a study link on our website. Go and make sure you've signed up for any study you're eligible for. There's 10 different scientists and clinicians on our scientific and clinical advisory board. We have 10 one zero patient movies, three to five minutes each on our website. Have you watched them all? Pretty cool movies, I gotta tell you. We've done four round tables to date. We have four different legal entities, right? SRF US, SRF UK, SRF EU, and Fondo Syngap in Latin America, which is in the process of incorporating in Latin in uh, Colombia. Amazing. We have one ICD-10 code and we're working on an ICD-11 code. Kind of awesome. We've had a conference in the Caregiver Connect. And how much have we spent on overhead? How much have we spent feeding the beast to do all that? Nothing. Zero. Why? Because uh, the founders cover all the overhead costs. So every dollar you donate to the Syngap Research Fund helps us do all these incredible things and make all this incredible progress on behalf of our children. Please make sure you engage with Syngap, you raise money for Syngap Research Fund, and you join us as a volunteer. We have a ton a ton of work to do. That was three minutes and 45 seconds. I'm doing pretty good. Let me talk to you about the press that has come out this week alone, which I'm really, really excited about. And I'll tell you why I'm excited about it. First of all, last podcast of the year for um, DNA Today, which is a podcast listened to by a bunch of genetic counselors 
the wonderful lady who runs that interviewed me and Ellie Brimble. Ellie Brimble is on our scientific advisory board. She is a genetic counselor and she diagnosed my son, Tony. And that's really worth listening to. But the reason I'm so excited about it is because that is a podcast for genetic counselors. So because she interviewed us, every genetic counselor who listens to that podcast will learn about Syngap and maybe they're going to go diagnose the next family more sensitive to Syngap because of that story. So that podcast is important because it's going to go into GCs and it's getting us more patients. Also along the lines of more patients, we had an incredible uh, family diagnosed last year. Um, Ellen Feldman, who is the vice president, I think, of ARC New York. So ARC is a major developmental disability organization. They're in every state. So Ellen had a 40-year-old son with, with autism and finally got him diagnosed with Syngap-1. And she helped us get an article in Autism Spectrum News, which is read by all these practitioners with autism. And we um, we worked hard together on that article with, with the publisher. And they there's a came out yesterday, maybe today, I don't even know, in this magazine for autism families, talking about Syngap-1, talking about our probably genetic program, talking about getting genetic testing. That's gonna go right to families with autism and hopefully some of them will go to the probably genetic site or ask for more genetic testing and then we're gonna get more patients. So we've hit GCs, we've hit autism families, incredible work. And there's another one that came out, there's a, a precision medicine, inside precision medicine, uh, wrote an article about SRF, um, Effie Parks and her organization, Casey McPherson and his organization. And so SRF was one of the three genes profiled in this article that was all about rare disease parents taking matters into their own hands. And that is a magazine called Inside Precision Medicine. Like, who's reading that? Re people working in precision medicine. Precision medicine being defined as we know exactly what gene is causing the problem. Let's make a medicine that goes to that root cause. That's what we as parents of Syngap parents kids want. So a profile in IPM about SRF is exceptional. And I'll share all these links in the show notes. Um, but listen to the podcast, please. And I'm going to share the Twitter link and the Facebook link and the YouTube and what all these links. And I'm sharing all those links because I want you to go to LinkedIn, to Facebook and to Twitter and to share these things out, amplify these messages. These articles matter. They can result in more patients. They can result in more therapies. We all should be excited about them. So I'm really, really on a high right now. And these have been coming faster than I can process them. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you about my New Year's and I want to give you a piece of advice, Syngap parent to Syngap parent. So this New Year's, we, um, we've, Tony's about to turn nine. He actually turns nine tomorrow. Um, we've given up on doing long trips to faraway places because you got to deal with the plane, you got to deal with medicine, you got to deal with time zones. Time zones are the killer, right? We can't go to Hawaii. We can't go to New York. We live in California. So that's where you go. You go to the East Coast, you go to, you go to Hawaii. And um, if you leave the time zone, Tony's sleep gets dysregulated. He's a hot mess. So we stopped going. So we now we're like, okay, we go to Seattle or we go to San Diego. What are we going to do? And, and then we've realized that long trips are hard because we don't have any any support, which we usually have when we're home. And it, our kids are a lot of work. And so we've sort of, our, our world's getting smaller and smaller. So now we're down to like three day day trips for, for vacations. And for, um, not now. And for um, New Year's, we were like, okay, we got this invitation to go to a wedding and it was in Monterey. And we're like, perfect. That's a two day trip. We'll go to Monterey. And what's special about this wedding Every, there was everything was special about this wedding. Is it was Deanna's wedding, and those of you who work with SRF know that Deanna um, was our nanny when Tony was two, so seven years ago, and was with us for years. And you you probably know Deanna because she's probably reached out to you and asked you to do a Wednesday Warrior um, episode. And so Deanna runs the Wednesday Warrior program, and she has done all of them. All what did I what did I just say? One hundred and seventy one. All one hundred and seventy one warriors have passed through Deanna's hands, and so she was our nanny. 
when I started SRF, she said, I'll do the Wednesday Warrior program, and she's done that. She left us, I know, how could she? But she left us a couple years ago to go be an ABA based on her work with Tony, and now she's a BCBA, and she, she got married. Her boyfriend finally married her. I've been telling him to do that for years. And here's the point. She invited us to, our, to her wedding. Not only did she invite me and Ashley, which was nice of her, but she invited Tony and John, which was brave. If you think about it, she invited a Singapian and his crazy little brother to her wedding. That was bold and a lot of respect for Deanna. But in addition to inviting us to her wedding and, and letting us come, she made us feel so welcome. And when Tony and John sat down, there were little kid toys at their seats. And then two things. First thing, she came up to Tony and she danced with him and it was just magical. It was just magical to see someone that Tony has known and loved since he was two welcome him into her life and and um, make him feel so included in a world that is increasingly not including Tony, right? Tony's been kicked out of so many different therapies and sessions and whatever because he has all these places say, oh, we work with disabled kids. And then as soon as that a disabled kid has one day of bad behavior, they boot them out. I'm looking at UNCEFT in Friendship Circle Bay Area. Um, so yeah, it's... Um, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking for parents of disabled kids when places like the National Center for Equine Therapy and Friendship Circle Bay Area kick your kid out because they had a behavioral episode for a diagnosed disability. But that's not my point. My point I'm going to be happy, not sad. Um, Deanna included Tony, and it was a magical night. And what was also magical is there were all these families who um, said, oh, I know Tony. I remember Tony. I met Tony when he was three. Tony came to my house and, you know, stole a piece of bread and ran across the yard. Tony was in my pool when Deanna brought him three years ago, four years ago. And really what I'm telling you is Deanna is an amazing human being and has an amazing circle of family and extended family. Um, but also it was such a rare, refreshing and wonderful treat to live the inclusion that we all strive for, right? To be at a grown-up wedding, to be at an outing, to be in a place where Tony was embraced and celebrated and people knew him. And this is, this is one of the things, I'm going to finish with this. This is one of the things I say to newly diagnosed families all the time. Because really, when you're newly diagnosed, when your kid is two, three, four, you have this strong tendency to just hug your kid and hunker down and be like, I'm going to take care of you and I'm not going to let anyone. It's exactly wrong. Listen to me when I say this. It is exactly wrong. When they are young and cuter and manageable, that is when you throw the doors open. That is when you hire every child within a mile radius of your home to come and be a babysitter. That is when you encourage people to meet your child and you talk about Syngap 1 and you explain that there are delays and there are challenges, but this is a beautiful little soul because when those kids get bigger and more complicated, all those people who fell in love with them earlier when it was easier still have that love in their heart. And that's one of the things that just blew me away on the 31st. I was in Singap dad mode, right? I'm at a wedding. I don't want to screw up Deanna's wedding. Tony's fingerprints might have ended up in the wedding cake. That maybe some other things got knocked over. It's a little fuzzy. But um, at the end of the day, I was so touched that Deanna welcomed us to her wedding. And I, and I wanted to make sure Tony didn't break too many things. And every time somebody was like, I remember Tony. It just warmed my heart, and it was such a treat to be at that wedding. So I guess why I'm saying this is I want to thank Deanna for being so fabulous, and I want to remind everybody that as, while your kids are still vaguely manageable, throw the doors open, bring the community in, 
Let people fall in love with your Singapians because those relationships last a long, long time. Thanks, Deanna, and happy Wednesday. <laughs>